Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Thank you, Jimmy, for the songs. I know it's a difficult subject to find hymns and songs for, but you did a good job. Thank you. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Let's just open with that. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I need not remind most of you here that the devil is a real being. Some people still do not believe that he is. But he's been around from the beginning. Revelation 12.9 speaks of the great dragon, the serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. And he's still around. And the chaos and pain in the world is evidence for that. Peter here tells us the devil is our adversary. He's our foe. He's our enemy. He opposes God and his people and all that's good and tries to bring down God's people to destroy them. Peter tells us the devil is powerful. He's like a roaring lion. Peter tells us the devil is on the hunt. He's active. He's seeking someone to devour. He's hunting for you. Yes, he is. He's hunting for you. You might have your nice little life all in order and doing things the way you like to do them, but never doubt the devil is hunting for you. Never discount, disregard, or downplay the power or the determination of the devil. The one thing the devil wants you to do, well, he wants you to do a lot of things, but one of the biggest things he wants you to do is forget about him. Forget he exists, forget he's out there, forget he's on the prowl, just forget him. And we can't do that. He's our enemy. We preached this lesson many years ago, many years ago decided to revisit it at the suggestion of one of our sisters. And she probably never thought that I would listen to her and bring this lesson back, but I did, because it's very timely and still needed. If I were the devil, what would I do? to bring down God's people, to destroy people's lives and cause them to turn against God or just to walk away from Him. Knowing what I know about people, 
knowing what I see in the world and hear in the world, knowing what the Word of God teaches, if I were the devil, how would I do that? Well, I've divided the lesson into two parts. The first one is my strategy. This is my strategy. Divide and conquer. The strength of Christianity lies in its community. Christ is head of the church, head of the body, and the members are in fellowship in the body, each one receiving their strength, their encouragement, their spiritual sustenance from Christ. We have that common faith, Christ's blood that cleanses us. We're in that new covenant with him. We are, as the scriptures teach in so many ways, the body of Christ, the church, the assembly of God, the temple of God, the household of God, the army of God. It's about community. It's about being together. It's not about individuals. It's about being one in the body. So my strategy then is to pray on the weak. Those who are stumbling. Those who are stagnant and not growing. To cut them off from the body. To isolate them in their troubles, their sins, their grief, their selfishness, their own arrogance and pride, and to force them to try to stand alone. And beyond that would be to cause the local church or congregation to forget about them. to abandon them, to leave them alone, to think they don't matter, to forget them, and to move on without them. We've all seen the movies, I'm sure, of the lions hunting the zebra or the wildebeest, right? And what do they do? They chase and chase and chase until the weak ones, the old ones, and the young ones start to fall behind, right? And they pick on one of them and they bring it down. If I were the devil, that'd be my strategy. We should not be surprised. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm sorry, chapter 5. We should not be surprised then of the warnings and admonitions in Scripture for the stronger in the body to support the weak because there always are weak members and there always will be weak members members. And the strong are to support the weak. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 We urge you, brethren, 
admonish the unruly, or the footnote I like better is the undisciplined, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. This is one of the primary works, responsibilities of a congregation, of the leadership and of the strong in the faith, is to support the weak. Otherwise, the devil wins. You know, we have this terrible belief that somebody drifts back in the world and falls back into the clutches of Satan that, well, we'll just move on and everything's okay. How wrong that thinking is. To understand, to think that the congregation has not been weakened because of the loss of that person. It has been. It has been hurt. Hebrews 12. More thoughts on those who are weak. In, uh, in Hebrews, they were very much under persecution. Some had suffered the plundering of their goods for their faith. And this is part of this letter is written to encourage them to hang on and not to give up in the face of this adversity. Hebrews 12, 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. They need to be strengthened. Make straight paths for your feet, so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Healing needs to come. There needs to be strengthening of those who are weak and stumbling. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau sold his own birthright for a single meal. We could go on. All references to those who are weak and the need for them to be strengthened through teaching, through discipline, through encouragement, through prayer, whatever it takes, so they don't fall away. But if I were the devil, that would be my strategy, to pray on the weak. How would I do that? I have my tactics here now. My tactics come in four parts. The first is, I would get you to stop believing in the Word of God. Now, you can believe some of it, but just not all of it. Just pick the parts that you agree with and the parts you have no trouble following. The easy stuff. 
And you can ignore the rest. It's one of my tactics. Just be satisfied with a Sunday morning sermon. That's enough for you. Don't overload yourself. No, don't do that. Don't read and study your own Bible. And certainly don't carry it to church. People might think you're a little too radical, a little too far out. And all those sections which talk about sacrifice and forgiveness and taking up a cross and having to love one another and seeking the things that are above instead of the things on this earth and sharing the gospel with other people and hating one's family and your own life and putting Jesus Christ first, you know, that's just all for somebody else, you know, the the really sincere ones. Don't be concerned about them. Just pick what you like. 2 Timothy 3.16. You know, we we shouldn't wonder, but sometimes we just overlook and we think, why is this in there? And we don't even try to really dig into it and understand it. We've heard this a thousand times. All scripture is inspired by God. All of it. And all of it's necessary. Not just the easy stuff. It's inspired by God. It's given by God. It's God-breathed. It's profitable. It's all profitable for teaching. That's basic doctrine. For reproof. For showing us where we're wrong. Wow. Don't tell me where I'm wrong, right? Just don't tell me that. I don't like to hear it. Wow. For correction. That's to show you what you need to do. This is what you need to do. It's so hard to be corrected, isn't it? That's one of the the best things that parents can teach their children when they're growing up. Yes, they, need, they are disciplined, they need to be disciplined, but they need to be taught how to accept correction. That that's a good thing, to be corrected. To show them they're doing something wrong and they need to be doing this. Otherwise, when they come face to face with the word of God, they get out in the world and their boss says, you're not doing that right. What happens? I quit. I quit, I'm out of here. And we see that happening in culture today a lot. Younger people, they're just not hanging around their jobs because they just don't like the atmosphere. Anyway, we get off a little bit. For training in righteousness, for teaching you how to be disciplined and live this Christian life on a regular basis, day by day, what to do and what not to do, things to avoid and things to be involved in. It's all there. The man of God may may be adequate, I think other translations say complete or perfect, equipped for every good work. It's all there. But you see, if I were the devil, I'd tell you, don't pay attention. Don't, Don't worry about it. Just pick and choose what what you like. 
They don't get serious about the word of God. All right, my second tactic. If I were the devil, I would hit you hard with adversity and trouble. I would oppress you with marital trouble, divorce. I would oppress you with illnesses and disease of all types. I would hit you with money troubles, with disobedient and rebellious children, with unfair bosses. And if you're the boss, I'd give you lazy employees, nasty neighbors, tragic accidents, untimely death in your family. I would hit you hard with those. I'd want you to blame God and turn away from him. If I were the devil, that's what I'd do. Acts 10.38. Look at part of Jesus' ministry here, Peter recounting it. He says, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And God was with him. Jesus understood the oppressions of the devil. And in particular, he's talking about there he was able to heal. He's come on because of the curse, because of her own sin, because the devil is active. And we don't want to blame God. We shouldn't blame God. We could start by blaming ourselves for our sins and the devil because he's still active to bring us down. But if I were the devil, I'd attack you with all those kinds of things. And secondly, I would bring persecution upon you for your faith. To induce fear in you so you'd hide in your church building and keep your faith to yourself. You would be afraid of what people thought of you, of ridicule. You'd be afraid of losing friends or a job. I'd put pickets in front of your church building. There'd be attacks in the media, spray painting nasty stuff on your house, maybe sending you to jail, to court, causing you to pile up huge lawyer's fees to defend yourself for your faith. We read about some of this out there now, don't we? Yes, I'd do that. Because I want you to die. I hate you. If I were the devil, those are some of the things I would do. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You can probably quote this. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Are you afraid? Appreciate Don's prayer this morning when he said and prayed that we would not be ashamed of Christ or of his word. 
We're willing to stand up in the face of adversity in any place to stand against evil and to try to teach the truth to someone to bring them out of the clutches of Satan into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. My third strategy. If I were the devil, I would put all sorts of distractions in your way to cause you to move away from serving God. First of all, the concerns of daily living, money management and bills, the leaking roof, the flat tires, having to get meals on the table, doing the laundry, cleaning up the messy house, taking care of your car trouble, getting your degree, computers not working right, taking the pet to the vet, kids have homework, kids have practice, kids have a meeting tonight, is my diet okay, am I getting enough exercise? Sound familiar? I'd hit you hard with all that to steal your time, to steal your mind. So you would never think about God nor doing something good for someone else. And then these distractions as well. All these nice, wonderful things that we can get involved with movies. TV, internet, video games, social media, wanting to have a nice house, a nice car, nice clothes, fishing, golfing, hunting, athletics of all kinds, eating out, travel, sightseeing, shopping, and if I could, I'd get you addicted to some of those. So you couldn't live without them. You couldn't function without them. If I were the devil. It's one of my favorite tactics. Because you see, we always argue, well, there's nothing wrong with it, right? And there's not. But. In Luke's account of the parable of the sower, the seed, the soils, however you want to style it, Verse 14, chapter 8, the seed which fell among the thorns. These are they, are the ones who have heard the word. They go on their way. They are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. If I were the devil, God, thank you for giving me that one. I read your book. Yes, I would put all this stuff in front of you. And lastly, I'm going to be turning to Hebrews 5 here. If I were the devil, I would keep telling you that spiritually speaking, you are in fine shape. I would keep whispering in your ear things like, don't worry about confessing your sins, you're okay. Don't worry about examining your life. You're, you're in good shape. You're doing much better than Sister Struggleton. 
and better than Brother Begoff, much better. And don't get too involved in things because, you know, you need that time for yourself. And you could never do that, you know, go visiting or teach someone the gospel or maybe get up and, and lead at the table here or teach a class. So don't try. You can't do it. In fact, you're already doing enough. And don't worry about your weaknesses because, you know, you really don't have any. No, you really don't. You're fine. You're in good shape. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Even though you've been doing it for 30 years or 10 years. Hebrews 5.12 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. What a sad situation. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Practice in life, in interacting with people in their own life, and understanding what is good and what is not, what is evil and what is wicked. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity or perfection. This, this thought is everywhere in Scripture, but if I were the devil, again, I'd tell you, just, just kind of forget about that. You're okay. You're good. And 2 Peter 3.17, to close out. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. If I were the devil. But of course, I'm not. 